Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 Years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome once again to Werewolf. I'm, uh, of course, Bob, attended here by DJ. Hello, everyone. And the Mighty Mike. How you doing, Mike? What's up, gang? Pretty easy, right? We're getting better at these crisp starts as they say um today we have a rare thing that we do it's not often that we're going to grab a book even even in a revision and sit there and go here's everything that's new in a book you already heard about and this is the uh, player's guide um second edition for werewolf or revised if you prefer uh for werewolf the apocalypse now i don't know about you gang this is actually the book that uh ties in a lot uh for what we read this uh, this updates the flavor I think of Werewolf, it, it kicks out a lot of the doubt from previous editions. Like, First Ed wasn't really good at explaining things. It sort of left you with a spirituality and somebody's passion to tell you about a werewolf game, but not really how to play it, get into it, be about it the whole nine. And there are some people who stayed the course, actually wrote in, and obviously had their, um, their opinion said, and they were heard, and... This is like the first, I would say, collaborative effort of listening to the audience that had issues with what was there or what little was there. And then the bunch of authors get them together and they kick out a book that's just better set. And that's what this is. Because if you remember the first player's guide was like the guide to PowerPoints. It was just all about like gifts and crazy shit. And there wasn't really like explain to us a moot. Don't Why would an elder care about me and all this other stuff? I mean, you had the awakening by verbatim, but there was no... No flavor text. Now, that's a term we use, but you need flavor text to understand these things. Um, why I say that, if I tell you you're a werewolf, let's play a werewolf game, I could tell that to probably anybody sitting at the table, and we're going to have various ones. We're going to have some people that think it's Underworld, and you're a lichen, and you got to dodge vampire ninjas, <laughs> right? That thing's going to happen, or the female vampire wick's coming for you, or whatever you want to think about it. Other people are just going to think you're a werewolf from, uh, like, Wolfman. And Benicio Del Toro is going to give a performance of like, no, nah, I'm the wolf man running around jumping, but doesn't have a full on Kronos. And then others are going to think the howling. And you're going to be like, you're supposed to be the good guy, but I appreciate you saying that every night's a frenzy under a full moon as you tear out someone's heart and eat it. Um, you get the picture. Someone has to give you flavor text to understand the parameters and kind of set the guidelines and whatnot. This book is it. The cool thing about it is that it starts off describing the pack. And it does an overview. They know you already heard about a pack and you believe you know what a pack is. There's several books that were given, um, several how to be a wolf, you know, books that were kicked off from the Red Talon tribe book first ed to ways of the wolf that they've released. They think you get it. But in here, they also walk through a different parameter, a different way of looking at it. This is how to be in a pack and what it really means uh, in context to the material. With that said, What's a general overview that you felt that they were trying to say a peck is? Um, just free flow of this, guys. I'm not trying to call anybody out. Um, I feel I will, that they were trying to say, oh, 
After you, Sir Mike. Well, well thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I was just going to say that the most important line to me um, that I always fall back on is the pack is the foundational social unit for werewolves. If you're a human being or you're a vampire or you're a, I don't know, a bird of prey, you think of yourself. Werewolves think of themselves in terms of their packs. They are individuals, but they they deal in terms of packs. And that's the perfect foundation, simple enough for me. All right. What about you, DJ? Was that it? Uh, I think the, the line that struck me the most is the one where they talk about trust. You don't have to like the people that you're with, but you trust enough each other to do so. It's like a family. Even with a family... You might not like your kid, and you might not like your older brother or your younger brother at times, but at one point or another, you have to rely on them. And I think what solidified it for me was um, the little prologue they had to it where they're talking about this captured werewolf, but she knows her pack is coming for her. And to be honest, when I was reading it, I was like, this poor fool is going to not have her pack come in because all she keeps on saying repeatedly is like, don't worry about this. My pack is soon going to come. I'm you know, having to deal with all these disgraceful things that are happening to me but my pack is going to come. And then she kind of talks about like the infighting that they have between the packs. And at one point she even makes it feel like this was a setup where she got caught on purpose. But in the end, her pack came for her. Right. And I was like, yeah, you don't got to like the people you're with, but you trust them to do so. It's family. And I think that's, what's more important about it. It's like, it's at family level. It's not at friendship level. It's at family level um, that you're creating these bonds. Okay, I got some interesting questions. When you, when you keep it back here to reply to, there's some stuff in here that I put put points down that they they claim in this book, and they claim they're trying to point this out. They pretty much say that uh, packs are instinctual social animals. Number one, they don't need to be assembled; they'll do it on instinct. Okay, packs are friends. Like you said, they're family. You don't necessarily have to like them, but there there you are. But packs are friends is what they have in there. Packs are also backup in a threatening situation. But to also point that out, part of being that friend is that PAC is an emotional support group. PACs are also commandos, part of the same elite group everybody belongs to. So a big bonding thing they just call family is what your PAC is. Now, out of curiosity, is it a mistake to say that you wouldn't like somebody in your PAC? Um, not necessarily. Uh, I would say that if you tell me you don't like your pack mate, I assume that that's temporary for the same reason that you might have a brother you grow up with. You know, you guys ate at the same lunch table and got handed down each other's clothes. Um, and then at some point in life, you guys become estranged and maybe that lasts for a few months or a few years. But if you ever hear about somebody trying to do something bad to your brother, you're there as fast as your fastest transportation will carry you. Right, so if you tell me you don't like your pack mate, I assume something happened. But that's still your brother or your sister. It's a genuine question. Do you agree with that, DJ? Somewhat. I'll go as much uh I think if I remove the temporary portion, like you you don't have to necessarily without getting too personal, I'm just gonna say there's a couple of family members I don't like. And that ain't going away, and that just is what it is. But they serve a purpose within my family. And so long as they serve a purpose within my family, I tolerate it. Right? And I can imagine a packed situation where someone listen, if 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 it happens to be that Mike is the bruiser, right? Or Mike, you know what? Mike is the lawyer of the group, right? 
God knows I hate Mike. For whatever reason, I'm just going to say I don't like the way Mike drinks his Kool-Aid every single time. That dude just steals it. Every, and he knows he's stealing it from me. No one's stopping him from doing it. But I can't get rid of him because he happens to be the lawyer of my Like, If I need help, he's going to have to be there to bail me out. And because he's the most proficient in our group, and the consensus is we're sticking together, and we have Mike in our group because he can perform this function, well, then I just got to put up with that. It's just the thing Mike does. Taking my Kool-Aid. It's a, it. It's an interesting thing that we just have to put up with it, or that's just the thing that Mike does. Because in that, in an example where we hit a point where I'm like, I, f- I feel this is like trying to say, the book is not saying that. Somehow when people read this material, they think that it's excusable to not like someone in your pack. Now, does that make sense? I'm going to a, I'm going to a gathering. And before we discuss that gathering, we're, we're there. We know it's a mood, but we go there, and we don't know we're going to be in a pack, but we showed up. And while we're there, some elders are calling forth a specific thing to get done, and we all get to be in this thing. And he starts saying, you, 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 and you, for your various reasons and things and blah, blah, blah. Here's what's needed. Here you are. And somehow being called out specially, specifically, and asked to do a task by a fucking totem spirit to boot. Right, We're being unified spiritually to do this. We're already special because we're werewolves. We're already representatives of our tribe. We're, we're going to throw in, I don't like Mike because he talked too much. Like, I'm trying to envision this, that the odds are that uh, we're being formed for whatever reason, unless it's a dire circumstance. This is saying your average peck. Your average peck is going to be someone who you're going you're gonna to gel with because instinctual social animals also means if I don't freaking like you, this isn't going to work. There's no bond forming. So I'm also I'm often curious why in the head it says I don't have to like it and I call this vampire poisoning. Mm. Yeah, I think vampire and- the masquerade poisons people into this mentality because you play sabat packs, you play anarch games, you play coteries, and you think a group of three to five people sit down at a table from different walks of life and they could have a thing that they're going to do together, but they don't like each other and that's okay. Well, what happens in those games? So I mean, my expectation, uh, either as a player, but what happens in but what happens in those games? Vampire well, uh, packs. Eventually, somebody's going to die because of a lack of unity. It's not only somebody's going to die. You have betrayal, backbiting, skullduggery. You have deceit. You have bullshit moves being made by players thinking they're one upping one another or getting away with something or getting over on something, and they have their own goals and agendas to do it by a game that actually promotes them to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, that's Vampire the Masquerade, where that parameter, it's acceptable. And a long enough timeline, you will have your own agenda, and hopefully, well, typically, you're only together so long as to complete your objectives this decade. And as players, we're not playing a game for 10 years, typically. So that ain't going to matter. So so we are together, actually, out of character, but in-game, maybe something else. And for entertainment purposes, everybody's just got to play a drama queen and figure out what they're going to do. That's essentially Vampire when you play. You're there to be the dramatic vampire when you do it. However, in Werewolf, you're one entity. That one entity is called a pack. Someone's the mind, someone's the heart. Each person takes the limit or the strength, if you will, or the will of the pack, and they all serve that purpose. How can a body move together if it does not get along? Curious. Well, it's like it's like that conversation you'll hear if you like watch watch the Talking Heads on TV, right? How people have their 
divisions, their levels of personal identity. You know, you might be a Democrat who's fiscally conservative or whatever. Um, we can be members of a PAC who are committed to what the PAC was put together for. We might even gone through our rite of passage together. And as we got older, you know, there's a friction point that came up. But what I was referring to earlier is that when the rubber meets the road and it comes time for choices, I think the meaningful difference between the werewolf style of play and the vampire style of play is that the expectation is werewolves are going to be loyal to that higher, that more important hierarchy of identity that is above the fact that I don't like the sound of DJ's voice when we do the opening howl or whatever. Like werewolves are supposed to be able to have that capacity to make that decision when it counts. I'm not saying they all... Well, you're living here... Forgot to sign That's my phone. That's poor Lord etiquette, Jesus. sir. <laughs> Lord poor, Jesus. Poor, poor etiquette cut. <laughs> so, but it's a good, it's a good tension breaker to save, to save face here for a little bit, but I, I, I'm going to jump on it so I can't let this go. I think it's a mistake. When people add the human element, you're not a human when you play a werewolf. I think that's a, sure. let me repeat that. You're not a human when you play a werewolf. The fundamental problem is you are not human. Your awakening disavows you from a lack of spirituality. You have a spiritual connection and a deep one. Do yourself a favor. Read the opening Garal story. Learn what that is because that's been written the best to describe the awakening of what that would be like in your first change. And often this is the reason people miss being a werewolf. You didn't do the first change. You think you sit down with the book. You think you just get powers, pick your gifts, and everything's okay. Let's Krenos rage out and kill some worm, and we're doing the job. And that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous because with power comes responsibility. Better in this context, scope and scale tell you the type of threats you're going to get into. If you can't team up, if you can't quell the bullshit, the little things, to understand that, hey, someone's naturally going to be the alpha that we'll be able to figure out instinctively. They got mechanics to help with that, but usually the cream rises to the top based on how that goes. Now, out of game, you're going to say, I'm going to be the leader, guys. I'll make sure I take the pure breed or I build someone that's going to have those social skills or whatever you want to call it that's going to determine it to be the leader, depending on what we're doing. And, you know, your storytellers going to talk about all this. But this here is saying got to take onus of knowing the process. It's more than just saying we're in a pack. I guess we're all playing werewolf. You got to do one of those things that says, okay, what's the story of how we were formed? Because you can't just throw us together and slop some glue on it and call it a day. And there's two ways to do this. It's either the players sit out of game and know we're going to play a werewolf game. And the storyteller says, I got some cool stuff I want you to do out of a cairn in New York City. Oh, okay. It's New York City. The cairn there. That's mother, like Larissa or Teresa. Who's Larissa, that there? Yep. The Bonar lady. Oh, wow. It is Larissa. Okay. So, so that means DJ knows a lot about the New York Cairn. You know, Mike's not in his head, so he might know something about it, but we all get something in the New York Cairn. We're really working on upholding all the aspects of keeping us hidden. Delirium's a thing. The veil's a thing. We got to do our job and, and represent it, which means, man, I probably shouldn't make that red talon and try to pitch that. Do you feel me? Mm -hmm. Like suddenly I'm not going to pick a tribe that's going to stick out and cause a problem because odds are that's not what we're doing as we get scope and scale. Right. That's a big thing. What's up, Mike? You gave the get out of here. Look, I'm just curious what it was. 
Well, it's just yes, especially I think more so. You know, when you're putting your game together and when you're getting your players together, absolutely. But like in character, werewolf tribes have done all of this wretched stuff to one another, and so like I imagine that that inclination can exist inside of a pack too. Like we're all Gaia's protectors, but sometimes we don't like each other. Um, yeah, you could try looking for it. Let me know when you see it. Um, but that's not as written. I mean, they have added stuff where people have said, my, my tribe mate leaves his stinky shoes in the front seat all the time. I really wish he'd clean up after himself. Like, what are we talking about here? Somebody, listen, people, when you're together all the time, little things are going to know you about someone else. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, I don't like someone. We're talking, saying, I literally a quote from DJ. There's a person in my family that, hey, we all get along, where we all need them for a reason in the family, but I'll never like them. Does that sound like spiritually connected? Like you have their back? Like that's a thing? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. So how is it possible? Because what we're talking about, when you talk about the social dynamics of the game, yes. If it's just five humans getting together to kick rocks around a campfire, we could all figure out something to bitch about and not agree with. But it's not about five random humans getting together, right? Your elders are supposed to be smart enough to pick the right people for the task you're about to do or the people they feel will make it together. They'll figure it out as they go through to do it. Now, if it's your first change... That's probably going to be your most, uh, we'll say, cantankerous group. Because you're immature, you're new, you're supposed to be that way. You're cubs. You're figuring it out. And you will figure it out. And if you were meant to be that pack together, that totem is going to find you. And you guys will have that. Now, if that's not the case, how do all the other packs get to get to get picked? And is the pack that you go through with and do first change the only pack you ever have? Uh, not necessarily. Um, I don't. I don't have a ready example in the front of my mind. Um, about like somebody leaving one pack, going to be a member of another permanently. Not not like the silver pack, but like an individual, normal, everyday pack that then loses a member. They go to the other pack, and that's the rest of their life. Like no, no example of that comes to my mind. But the book does describe the possibility that you do something so offensive your pack members are like for whatever reason my guy you're not one of us and you gotta go and then you carry a stigma with you that makes it very hard to be brought into another pack because if it happened to them well how could you be any closer to us than people who you grew up with so it's tough but i'll also say the inverse is also true right because the inverse being your elders got you together in the first place because there was a mission. It could literally be the, your main group pack, or it could be you already knew what you're like the silver pack. We know what we're going into as well. But it could also be a pack like we just we need you to take care of this care for a moment and you know what you're walking into. And at one point or another, we could loan you out to another pack because this is what the, the need is for. But you'll always have, I think, your main core pack at the end of it. I, I'm I'm just curious about this because uh, um, what this book outlines is the fact that you you go through your first change and that's a pack, but that never says you'll never find that that's forever. That's another assumption that's never never a truth. 
right? I mean, it can be for your game. That's okay. If you're playing a game from the first change on and that that's what it's going to be and you're going to stick with that pack, you could do it that way. But uh, they go through a process. And here's the description, fellas. Let's walk through it, right? Since we know what the terms of what a pack's supposed to do, and hopefully I disavowed you of the mentality that we're going to pick people who don't. Uh, to be managers for a second, if you got to pick a team of people to get the job done, and you can see, and you're aware because you've seen them for a while from other steps. You talk to the other managers from the other uh, hubs, the other other buildings. Yeah, I sent our guys over there to go through the process to see who you want to do. Who would you pick out of the resume list? Oh, I picked Tommy, Sarah, and Tina. Okay, yeah, but Tina doesn't like Sarah, and Tommy's a bit of a talker. Yeah, are they good enough to get along? Well, not really. Tommy and Sarah have been looking for ways to challenge each other. And but All right, so how about... Let's, let's put them to the side for a second. Let's just interview them all and see who's best for the task. And then let's make our call from there. Because that's what the elders have to do. This is before they have a meeting of the grand, of the big old moot that brings everybody, not the grand moot, that's a different thing, but a moot to bring everyone in to talk about what they're there for. So let's, let's back this up and understand what's the purpose of forming a pack. Well, first and foremost, we have what's called a moot. Now understand something. Typically, traditionally, a pack is composed entirely of one tribe. Now, why might that have been? Well, before we wax poetically about why they would never do that, of course they did that. And they did that so everyone gets along. Odds are we know what we're all here for. We're part of the same pack, and here's what it is. And we know our sept well, and we know our grounds, and we we know grandfather this, and we know mother hen that, and we, you know, we get it. Totem's the same. Everything's the same. Same old, same old, same. And that's typically what you'd have. However, we're also about an apocalypse, about the wilderness shrinking. We just don't have those options anymore. And so sept's got to make a choices, and they got to ask help from other tribes, which means they frequently have these moots. Now, why is that? Because something happens. Through the rigmarole of a sept and a protector, it's something happens, and it needs to be handled. And for whatever reason, and I always chuckle at this, you ever notice how the elders never take care of it? They always <laughs> bring in right, somebody else to like form the group that's going to go handle it, and they never explain why. And your, <laughs> your storytellers typically are killing off elders in the background so they don't have to play them again. <laughs> right, their plan is always to have players step up to do it, or they're very comfortable role playing these elders, and they like playing mommy and daddy because instinctively that's what it sets you up for. Because the players are going to go, they're going to do whatever, and then they're going to come back when it's done, and they're going to break up right into their respective tribal elder, whoever it is that talked to them, and then they want to debrief them, and then they want to know what's going on. And you're going to get all that in there, which is more social interaction and networking. But this is also where politics and whatnot that you love, that's how it gets injected. Now, that being said, is it forever? Well, no. So this highlights there's a process that they go through. When they come up to the moot, the elders in advance already knew who you were before they even asked you to get through the door. Right? So because of that, um, they know that the membership and size of a pack depends on the purpose of the pack's existence. So what does that mean? Well, as the game says, every pack has to, has to outline their purpose for being together. Why did the elders bring you together? Why did they say they need you? It can be as broad as fighting the worm or defending Gaia or destroying Pentex. And then guess what? You're going to be in that pack for a long time. 
because those are some broad ass goals that you have to go after. And they're just saying, Hey, stick together. You're best suited to kill the worm. Okay. Not going anywhere for a while. Anybody that's, that's what that is. You better, you better really like DJ Mike because he's going to be there for a long time. <laughs> you got to punch that card. <laughs> you got it. However, it's possible to say, well, um, we're going to go kill the example they give us, Sargrash Thief of Eyes. Obviously, some big nasty. So our pack's forming to do that. But when that goal is done, we're done. We're no longer in the membership of the pack because it's done. And they talk about eligibility, you know. That just about anybody can be eligible for membership, provided that your elders think that you're ready for it, that you can be in it, that this is a thing for you. And this is all role-playing cues to talk about it. But the amazing thing about this is how important this is to land a werewolf game to understand that you have to have players who get along. You have to get along. You have to like the person to your left and your right. You have to generally have no problem talking to them. You got to enjoy it. Why? Because if they want to be a peckerhead for some reason, and that's their character, they're the talking chatterbox that has to say something all the freaking time, and they're going to play the role of Ragabash and are really excited, well, you better know that person out of game so you're not sitting there annoyed as hell this person's in your gaming group. Don't you see the logic here? Like, why that makes sense? Like, we better like each other. Because we're not going anywhere for a while at the very least out of game. So we want our purpose to match in game. And so they have a story method of how to do this. And they walk you through a story method because this game is best played in LARP. No, no horseshit, Wang. It's best played in LARP. Now, why that is there, and that's a big trouble in Little China quote, I wasn't being racist to DJ. I feel I have to note that. Because someone, I saw the look in your eye, DJ. I was like, it is an old film. I better say it. But that's... Uh, I remember. Um, okay, good. So um, what we're getting to is the fact that, okay, cool. So now we need to tell you how this pack is formed. And I just did. But as a storyteller, do I want to sit back and play 11 people? Oh, no. Of course no. Of course not. No. But if I'm in a LARP and I hand out character sheets to people for half the game... And I say, okay, you're going to play the elders for this game. And here are your objectives. I'm not going to tell you how it turns out, but you're here with this other group of people that are coming in with their characters to start. They're going to be debating about who's doing what and blah, blah, blah. But don't worry. I took your, you guys are more experienced players and I already approved your characters for the packs you're going to be in. That's on the side. You're the groups that are already out there doing stuff and we'll get at that. However, we want to bring in the new people. We actually have like 10 new people at this LARP. So they're all here. We try to see what packs they're going to get into. You got some objectives. So we did this in a fun way. Are you guys on board with it? I will never hear any player tell me, no, they're not on board with that. I'm going to play a temporary elder and I'm going to go in and I'm not told how to do this. So there's still role play to do. And we're going to be here talking and figuring out who's doing what and why. And we're going to get that through. That's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun to start a game out. And it's going to be great for the new players coming in who, you know, probably in this sheet, you just went through your first change, you went through your rite of passage, you know what your tribe is, and here's a little blurb about your tribe in case you don't know, and here's the Karen you came from, but your sept leader sent you here um, with an elder representative, which is player X over here in the corner, who is also reading their sheet to figure out why they're here. And you're supposed to go over to them for a briefing after game starts and, and then join the moot. Now, what's the feeling of the moot? Well, hopefully you get a cool outdoor setting like a campground where everybody's kind of sitting around and, and kind of enjoying themselves, much like a cookout. And that's typically what the werewolves like to do. 
Now, in your mind's eye, they would make a big old bonfire. And if you could do that, have fun. But the bonfire's not lit yet. They have cooking fires going first, right? That's sort of the ambiance here. That we're going to feed everybody and everyone's going to eat a little bit, talk a little bit, size each other up for a bit because we don't quite know what's going on. But then the elders are walking around rubbing elbows and networking hard with everybody, especially the elders, the sept elders who are uh, here talking with the other elders who arrived and they break that networking down. And then those elders are introducing the new blood to the sept elders to get to know them because this is also part of the process. And so these intricate social things are actually because like, like a book already said, werewolves are instinctually social creatures. It's what they do. You have to know why you should fear Mike if Mike is this get a Fenris Arun badass rank four, blah, blah, blah. And it's an honor to be in his presence. You got to hear that story. And someone might tell you that story. And it's cool when your mentor tells you that story and they tell you it before you're in front of Mike. And when you're in front of Mike, hopefully Mike role plays the quirks where one of his eyes are closed and he twitches now and again. And when he rubs it, it's because it's an old wound from where some Bane creature oozed its juices in his face after he bit out its throat to save a pack mate or do something mighty like that. And whatever he earned it for. But there's Mike sitting there role playing that in LARP fashion, trying to deal with this cub or pup or whatever you want to say. And but he's a cool guy. They also put in there that he is a quirk where he's a terrible comedian. And so now Mike's trying to tell his best dad jokes as this badass one-eyed get or whatever the hell he's supposed to play, trying to break the ice. And everyone's like, ah, get off it. Can he stop it? And it kind of gives this campground feel, that family feel that we all pulled together for something important, but we don't know what it is yet. Then later on, you begin to notice that hopefully for some of you, you saw maybe it's an old man or and it typically goes by age. So it's like an it's like an older woman, older guy, whoever it is, sitting in the background who really has just been smiling and everybody been really genial. And uh, but everyone's been hella respectful to them and mindful of them getting their time alone and have been asking to approach and talk to. And instinctively, they're hammering home. That's the Sept Alpha. That's that's the head wolf in charge. And you know that. And the Sept Alpha is approached by somebody with this old soup bone. Right. Let's say it's Mother Larissa's Karen in New York and it's Mother Larissa who is there. But someone approaches and they're like, hey, you know, blah, 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 soup bone. I'm going to give this to the right master. We're going to do our thing. And there's a snapping of the bone. Right. Right. Master gets it done, snaps the bone. This announces to everyone it's time to come into the circle. They light the bonfires. The galliard probably does the, the opening how, depending on who it's going to be. And that's and that's how it goes. And there's official titles and positions for that. We did this in previous podcasts, but I'm doing this to outline why this is easiest in LARP. When you do this in a LARP, it's less reading. It's less exhausting for the players. They experience these things. They smell these things. They get involved with these things. People feel that they can crouch down and get more primal or primitive. They get into the role. They feel bigger. They feel like there's someone else. And I speak from experience. The most transformative game I've ever been to, I do mean transformative, where I did not feel human, but I felt I belonged. I was enhanced. Was attending a Werewolf the Apocalypse game because the players were in it. They were in it to win it. When they did the opening howl after the snapping of the bone and the opening of the howl resonated throughout the cairn, it was an entire park, right? It's a huge park area. It's about a two-mile park that we had distance-wise. And you could hear the howl from one end to the other because you had the Red Talons, who were also the uh, cairn uh, apparently warders and um, 
one was uh, in charge, of, like did some bad duty to clean up the Karen. Like he wasn't officially the groundskeeper, but they like made the title for him. And so he was walking around picking up shirt in game, picking up uh, trash bags and went up, but also cleaning up the park because people are slobs. Probably no matter where you're at, that gets done. And so he's doing that for his character. And I began to realize this player was actually eating a bag of chips and nonsense like that, leaving stuff for him to pick up later on. So it always looked like he was groundskeeping, really living up to what he had to do. Cool things like that. But when the howl erupted and he ran to pick it up real quick, he was in a panic because if the water caught any of the waters catch him over here and there's still trash in the ground, he's not protecting the set. And that's what he's tolerated to do. And he's hoping to get into a pack so he can get out from the <laughs> oppressiveness, as he referred to it, uh, for what's going on. Because he's a bonar. And when they all get together, game was on. And when game was on, it was from start to finish a show. Like you had an elder step up. And of course, it's played by the ST and it's the Sept Alpha. And they gave their, their opening, welcoming and telling everybody. But then they turned it over to Galliard X and people why. And everyone told you kind of why they're here. Now, I'll stop that telling there to just kind of put you in the mode because this should wash and disavow everything. I'm going to ask you to go back to what you read and thinking about it again. When you see how a pack is built, do you want to put that effort and not in advance know if these people don't like each other before you put them in the same spot? Short answer, no. But I, I don't. I really don't think it's as simple as yes, no. Well, it is because why? Why I'm stopping you there? I'm not seeing the like. This is what I like to call an educational moment. This is like duh. Out of game. I'm telling you, they're instructing you <laughs> that you want to pick people who get along. That's step one. That's what this is outlining. There's a reason you're pulled together, and ideally, you get along. Can you build interplay between you and another person? That is going to be negative. I don't like your shoes. You talk over me. You're kind of a jerk. My answer to you is hell no. And don't. Don't do that. Right? Because if instinctively we're social creatures, we have something that lets us know who's in charge. Right? Things in game, they're going to tell you what's going on, who the alpha is. And once the alpha is the alpha, you're supposed to be a creature born of instinct that knows when the alpha speaks, that's that. That's what the pack is doing. End of discussion. And it don't matter what you feel about them or how you feel about it. Can you have individual feelings? I never said you couldn't. What I'm saying, though, is that you tailor those individual feelings accordingly. Scale and scope. Remember me saying that? So I can only not like you so far. Right? So, But I got to remember out of game, I like the hell out of both of you. We can play in a werewolf game. Mike, if we're going to have a rivalry, that's fantastic. But a rivalry is a rivalry. And if we get too into it, where you tend to frenzy and I roll with it because I'm not going to back down, then DJ, you better pick a Philodox because that's a smart play to know i got to break these two up and get these knuckleheads aren't going to stop. And before they frenzy, hopefully. So you got a quiet one, do whatever, and you know you get it done and it's done. And maybe we don't pick a violent totem. Right? <laughs> hopefully we get, we get like rabbit for some reason. I don't know. But, but, that's, but that's what it is. But we establish these catch the flaws before they get bad type of thing. That's what I'm saying. And I was hoping to get there naturally, but I also wanted to showcase the pitfall of Werewolf up to this point before they outlined it. Right, because even paying attention to first edition stuff, right? And I think, once again, the the game was very nascent in its creation. 
where it's like, get five of your friends together, go ahead and create this, 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 and this, and this. But there's no emphasis as to it, right? And as we're reading, and by no fault of design, because this is obviously an organic thing, as we got up until this point, we, like I said, one of my favorite books between the Wendigo and Goro books, and those are the, the last two books before we get to this one, we could see where the writing has improved and there's a lot more effort being put into it, or at least we're seeing where rage, et cetera, comes into play. But during that period in time, as we start going through the first edition book and we start moving forward, it just tells us why we're angry all the time. It gives us a need just to be angry, but not, and it doesn't specify how we even treat each other in the game. It just says, these get hit, these furies, these furies hate each other, but they never even talk about how the pack would stick together. And this is the first book, right, being introduced to us, where you're right, it presents it to us that we didn't think about that, because we've been vampire poisoned. I will tell you I've been vampire poisoned by it, and going like, okay, I could see why that would happen, but in reality, it shouldn't. It should have been there from the grassroots to say, think like a werewolf, right? It's easy to go like, well, I'm not a dog, or I'm not a wolf, I should say. Uh, I can't play a lupus, right? But we never think to ourselves to say, maybe I can't play a werewolf, right? Or maybe I'm not in the right mindset to play a werewolf, right? Because I wasn't thinking about that at first. So it highlights it here more. So I can see that. I can see that. Now to help you, though, here's the thing. Every pack gets a totem. Right? They more than explain you should have one. Now they leave room to say you may not, but that's a dangerous thing to do. Now, why is because your totem represents the spiritual reason we're together. It's a spiritual theme of the pack out of game. Right? We determine why, like, we'll be told why we're being put together, and then our totem should reflect what our pack is and capable of doing to assist. So if there is a big worm entity, we're going to kill the worm. All right. Um, I would like a totem of war, please. I want something. You said kill the worm. You didn't say hug him. You didn't say redeem him. You didn't say figure out where he lives. You said kill the worm. I'm going to need something to help me do that, and and, then that's it. And spiritually, you need something to help you push through those hard times to figure it out, to know how to be and how to emulate. And it's supposed to be the heart and soul of the pack. That's just what that totem represents. We all have a tie. Now, why say it's powerful? Totems just, they're not a member of the pack. I say this a lot to people who play werewolf because it baffles me when people are like, a totem is something I want the benefits of the, I want a benefits of this totem and that totem. And I'm going to shop around for a totem. Okay. Um, out of game, you could shop around, but in game, what's the story to how this pack has this totem? Oh, well, cause we, we went off and, you know, this totem selection thing. Well, we just want to pick it. Well, certainly you can, the rules say you can just pick it easy. Give you're done. Um, but there should be something done to draw that totem to you i.e. the storyteller helps pick the totem that's best based on the characters submitted or the ideas thrown around or the story they want to tell. Now, um, to that end, do we... I think it was you, Mike, who had a question before this started about totems and totem selection. Did, did we clean it up? Did you figure it out? Or did you have a, a hard question about it? Well, it was about one totem specifically, and I don't, I don't want to you know, like drag us off track or whatever. But there's a, a, a point in this book where they describe a particular right for creating a particular kind of pack, the silver pack. Mm-hmm. And in that description, they say, Phoenix chooses you. You don't choose Phoenix, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, and like... In, in my mind, at least in the, the werewolf games that I've played, I, I'm thinking, you know, your pack gets together, they venerate the spirit, they want the spirit to choose them, and so they go out and do things to earn the spirit's favor, and that's how you get your totem. 
but that still feels like the pack choosing the totem to me. So is this well? When your pack earns a totem, that's basically what are we saying? We're saying that's the in-game excuse that Sister ST said, "Yeah, you can have it." That's one way to do it. If your ST is me, I love not telling you what totem you're going to get. I love it. I adore it. It's the best ST uh, usage of your time as a storyteller to observe your players having to get comfortable playing their character. Because their next task after they form up, we're at, let's just do this in order. We're at the moot, and we hear, big problem, we got to solve, says the elders. And what it is is that we've picked our top five people here that after talking tonight and hearing what you've done and knowing your deeds and hearing them retold, we feel you're the best pick for it. Now, you head off tonight, but this is after you drink uh, the fire water, and that's uh, peyote or whatever you want to call it. Um, have a few drinks is what they're really hinting at. Um, get drunk. Do whatever you got to do. And uh, I apologize for that comment. It's just like from a movie, and, it's, and I think that movie's <laughs> hella racist now. I just had to think about that. Apologize for firewater comment. Basically, it's alcohol is what they're referring to. You're going to sit around, get drunk, do something uh, to open yourself up to basically going into the umbra, sidestepping, getting spiritual, figuring out ways and means to uh, be receptive to the totem for the pack itself, to honor what you've done. Now, once you're together, there is typically a right or a process, really it's a right, to show unification in the pack, whatever that is. And, you know, you're going to have a, someone to walk you through it. Um, Master of the Right is going to have sit down and they have to acknowledge it. The elders acknowledge you're a pack now, but what are they going to have you do to show that? Now, depends on the sep, don't it? Now, I know if, like, let's say you're somewhere hardcore, um, they might do something like scarification for your warlike sets, where we mark each other to show what this is. We're going to use glyphs to determine our purpose and whatever, so you don't forget it's with a silver clave, right? We just go ahead and we mark it in, homage and honor to the ancestors, and there you go. And we're in a pack, and our pack is called the glory of the owl's eye, whatever it's called. That's what it is. Now, why the pack name? Um, you're trying to give call to the totem you feel best represents the help you need. I'll repeat that. Your purpose as players, or he really is those, is that pack, is that you're hoping that for what we got to do, whatever the ritual is, helps us call and open the way to that totem. But we still got, like you said, got to provide a contrition to that totem. We got to show respect to earn that totem's attention. And some totems are brutal. They are hardcore. Elders might even select the totem and open that way for you. Be careful for you enter Wendigo's realm. Why you are going here? Because you need the frozen hatred of the North to handle this problem. And this problem is old. Wendigo knows this problem. And he knows it because he killed his people. And you're here to take care of that. Yeah, but it's New York. I don't know why he would be here. I don't know why Wendigo. But that's what they said. And so they kind of pushed you in his realm to see if you can earn his favor. Now, naturally, we call that the plot hammer, or that's the story, or that's the deep end. That's one way. It also might be where they leave it up to you. Why? Because we're a cairn of enigmas, and we don't believe in telling you what Gaia has in store for you. We think you should figure that out. But what we did do was we did provide you with the shrooms that we've been feeding you all night. So that's the direction you need to sidestep in, and good luck to you, and enjoy your trip. 
And okay, we're not all wandering around looking for it, hoping something will guide us to what goes on. That's another way. There is literally an endless amount of ways that that can be done, except you can never fake the formula. And the formula is this. If your players are open-minded, looking to have a good time, they want to role play to see what totem will select them. That's okay. And as an ST, you can be sneaky, pre-select the totem, don't tell them, and have them kind of go through because you know how they built their characters, you know the story they're looking for, maybe you already have that done. Um, if you're like me, there's so many categories of totems that you never really know which one's going to fit. So instead, you like to see how they're going to role play in certain scenarios. And these scenarios, you can do a challenge process. I'm a fan of it, that you do a little challenge and a big challenge and all that. And what I mean by challenges, I often go, okay, everybody's warlike. So the first challenge, it's a mental one. Right? We're in the Umbra, but as it turns out, the Elder said we got to be back here by, by nightfall, except... How do you tell that in the Umbra? In the Umbra, it's the same twilight, right? Isn't it always that? I don't know. You look around. Well, who's the theorist? We didn't. Ha- we don't have one. Why don't we have a theorist? Well, because this is a war pack. We're together to handle. Like we're we're here to get it done. Yeah, but without a theorist, how are we gonna? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the point. Well, before you realize it, you're in your first challenge. This is the mental challenge. How are you gonna figure out what to do? Because that's another point. Do we have to have all auspices represented in a pack? And the answer is no. What if you don't have all auspices available? What if it's a situation of a meat grinder and that's all that matters? In other words, how nefarious would it be to learn that your elders have done this moot cyclical for the last seven years? Every seven years, they pick one pack to go out to, to go after something they know you won't kill. And you want to call that worm taint, but what it is is that you're going after is what if, as Mike looks that way, you're being sent out to kill something that represents one of the creatures Guy has had from myth that's threatening to come across. It's a creature of the wild. They haven't been able to tame it, but it's not of the worm, but it is something that has to be placated. Whether you fight it and weaken it enough to where maybe hopefully this time we can bind it, maybe you're just going out there and you're going to die. They know that already. <clears throat> but in your death, there's enough uh, gnosis that it gets to feed from from your corpses uh, in the umbra to allow it to move on and your sacrifice is noted and in that game maybe each of you have a dark seeker maybe each of you is a flunky of a type you went through your first change with your knuckleheads the st said go ahead guys take whatever you want take whatever points mm-hmm. it's every tribe it's totally great but meanwhile he knows anybody you can you're all going to get greedy and everybody who goes too far this is exactly why you were chosen right they want to get rid of you before the worm comes or what have you and maybe that's the whole plot is that the game is, as you're en route getting there, you discover this is what's going on. And finally, finally, you know, a, a, a totem of a type, like probably most likely, I don't know, Falcon, reveals itself to lead you away from this threat um, or to the solution to put the threat to bed to enable you to be the new elders for this Karen. But you got to go back and deal with those elders who think they're not worm tainted, but make them face what they've been doing. Because we got to remember... The player characters are the heroes. They're not the average werewolf. One of you mentioned earlier that the tribes have all this hate and this bickering, this backbiting, this nonsense. And they've done all this stuff. Yeah, all right. You're of that tribe, but you're not that tribe. You know what I mean? That wasn't you who did it. Right? Sort of, a, sort of an argument that, that a lot of people don't like hearing. But um, a DJ, you never owned slaves. Yeah. So me and Mike shouldn't hate you, right? We shouldn't put that on you. 
<laughs> that just makes sense, right? And it's the same thing. It's it's 2022. Why the hell are we throwing that around? Let's uh Did I lose a year? Doesn't matter. Nope. Point nope. is still 22. That's the uh, still 22. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. There's a pause. But my As point of this is podcast. But my point is but my point is not lost, right? That is that is the thing that you can't do that you can't put on anyone and do that. Now, the flip of all this is that the moot is that point. And that's where you have it. And in this book, it outlines how to do that, the mood process and what it's for. Now, the second thing, because we mentioned it, we opened that door. I know we're, we're getting a lot more into it than I thought we would. I actually enjoy the hell out of that, <laughs> right? Because I love it when something seems basic, but you can open it up and we can discuss it and more is revealed. It's a fun time. Um, where we're getting to now, the silver pack, because this is the most important thing. I feel out of this book anything. This is the new thing that's kind of hidden that they were ramping you up for. You had asked, why does Phoenix choose? And why is there a right to do so? Well, DJ, what's the point of a silver pack? What what do they do with that? The silver pack is is the all-star team. And the all-star team exists because the all-star team is there to show you the best of the best. And you might think it's cliche, but it's not. Because, uh, uh, you know, now when I think about it, Oh man, I, I could remember when when what Jordan was in the Olympics and he, he was part of the team with a whole bunch of other people and you were hoping that dude was also part of it. You like you could care you don't even have to care about the Olympics. You just had to know that your favorite player was up there and just doing that gave you enough pride and sense of like, yo, the US is rep. Yo, they can't go up against Jordan, right? At least for those of you who are old enough to remember when you saw him play. And that same type of feeling and inspiration you get is exactly the reason why the silver pack exists. You have to assume as well that every other person, like, yo, that's my win. They go, yo, my dude, Whispers in the Winds is going to be up there. No fucking way. Really? Nah, dude, he got selected. And everyone, that's that's a sense of pride. And what it does is it bolsters you. If they can make it, maybe we can too. If they can make it, then that means that there's still a chance. If they can make it, then they represent everything that's the best in us. Or what we assume the best of us. Even if it doesn't mean it's the best in us, it, it, it gets you hype, right? It's like, why are we going to dance to that song? doesn't matter why they call it that song. It gets the crowd hyped. So how they get this grand event together is they call it what's called a convocation. And a convocation is only called when at least five tribes are represented. Not five seps, not five tribal seps, five tribes. They say, we need to call one of these. We need a silver pack. We need to get something major done. Now, for you vamp heads out there, what's the big deal? This is the equivalent of Archons being called together to build a team to go hunt down the red list. It's not good enough to be an Archon. We need you to be an Alistair, right? That's what you're going for. And, of course, there's a process. We won't get into red Alistairs, but you get the point. You're going after this most wanted kindred that has to be put down, and that's a team of Archons. This is actually the same version of it. The difference is the purity of it. This says we're going to have this convocation. All We'll just say all tribes. Like, you need at least five. All tribes are going to be in. Who's going to miss it, right? And we send out our very best of every auspice we got, and we're going to send them there. We're not sending our hodgepodge. This is going to be our A-listers, the people who can handle the task. You know, like, uh, you might see Scarthroat Leech Killer here because his dad was a badass that was killing vampires, and we heard you might need some vampires killed. Some leeches killed. Scarthroat Leech Killer is going to be here, regardless of his future and what he did. It's the point name. is, 
Right. It's in his name. So A-List shows up. Like, this is where the gurus, uh, who's who amongst guru, that book's opened up. And we start throwing out some people that you might see walking around competing to be what? Part of this team, this silver pack that's forming. And you, the players, because the game's about you. You get to compete. But no one said you're going to be a part of it. And that's an important thing. And so now, Storyteller's going to take several game sessions to showcase who gets what. We're going to do like Guru Ninja Warrior. Who knows what we got going on? We're going to try to figure this out. At the end of it, we're going to have what's called a silver pack. And when the silver pack is there, fantastic. Now, right of the Phoenix. And we're going to call the Phoenix to note, take wind, and do that. However, what are the troubles of this? This right? Like, let's say we go through it. The elders say these people are ready to be chosen by the Phoenix. What happens? How, well, how do you mean? The, I mean, what do you mean? The actual, like, right? You still have to beseech it, right? And I think as in any other situation, you have to call to the totem itself because the totem should accept you. But here's the thing that I think that, once you were saying a little bit earlier, people take for granted. And I think when Mike was bringing this up regarding totems is just because you have the points by it doesn't mean that it should take you, right? And so when you stand before Phoenix, even though you're elders who are but mere werewolves and should be the wisest of all werewolves who may or may not have some sort of agenda and or they believe it's the right choice, Phoenix is pure of mind and it knows why it was summoned. And if it takes a look upon these other werewolves and it feels like you're good, you're good, you're good, not you, right? That's Phoenix's choice. Phoenix is the last arbiter as to whether or not you make the cut. That's when you know, right? When they tell you, all right, you got to, this is that one last crucible, they that's that's it. That's Phoenix. That's that's the absolute truth. I mean, that's that's no bones about it. This is one of those things where if you have a pack that's uh, – because this is common in packs because, well, players. When we're trying to determine who should lead the pack, why I say instinctually you should know who's better at it. Here's why. By my rule of thumb, this is Bob's house rule of thumb. We're forming a pack. What's the pack for? We all talked about where we're making characters are made. We have it. We're here. We role play getting together. Who leads the pack? Well, let's check it out. Um, DJ is, uh, well, he's a theurge, and we're going into the Umbra for this. And what are we supposed to do? Oh, there's a, there's a legit possession. And DJ's like, well, possession's real. What do you mean? I'm a Catholic priest, but I'm also, also a child of Gaia, and possession's real. You know, your is not incorrect. And Utena goes, hey, man, I'm into technology. I do a different way of stealing stuff from the worm. I'm not in all that Umbra stuff. Save your prejudice. It's like, yeah, but no, right? If if there's a weird glyph online, I'll figure it out. If there's a dark web, I'm your guy. But if not, and you're like, well, that clears that up then. I guess I'm the pack leader. Um, This is going to be rough. I don't really know about the Umbra. But then the lieutenant jumps up and goes, oh, I got you there. What do you mean? I have Umbral maps, man. I got to connect with the Glasswalkers. So I got like Umbral maps. It's right here on my PDA. Uh, totally cool. So I'm like your Huckleberry. We'll do that. All right. So I guess we got our alpha and kind of our, our beta. Did we say that second? Why you're a Catholic priest? And someone goes, yeah, it's cool. You can say beta. It's all right. It's like wolves, but not, but wolves really don't have betas. I was reading this national geographic says Zugtena, and it's like an article they wrote that there's no beta. Like you just kind of know your role. There is an Omega, but that's like the retarded left headed cousin who keeps biting his own tail and eats sniffing <laughs> his own poo a little too close. He always has a little brown eye. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I talk too much, right? And you're like, I understand. But can we talk about possession? Is everybody aware of what we face? Meanwhile, the rest of your pack are stone cold killers. 
You know what I mean? Mm. Yes, Mike. <laughs> no, well, I'm just saying, like, I, re- I you, you reminded me of the first werewolf game that I ever ran for a group of people I didn't know. And we came to a place to lock down a thing, right? We go through all this trouble of learning. There's this right, and there's this great big evil, and it's spiritual, and we got to cleanse the this and go to the place and find the that and talk to the man in the mountain and blah, blah, blah. And the sheets I get, I got top to bottom six, seven of the hardest shit-kicking killers that I have ever seen on paper. And I'm like, oh, man, these guys are going to murder some stuff and get nothing done. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm telling you, we went down to the beach and killed tank crabs. And, I mean, we spoke to Utenas like Avatar. It was great. But the pack was not the right pack for the job. So, wasn't the right pack for the job. <laughs> when, it, when it comes to this construction we learned from D&D, which is where I think they pulled this idea from, that a pack is pulled together to handle a specific problem. That problem should be hand-tailored for the players without the players ever realizing it's meant for them. And an experienced storyteller will know where to throw curveballs and try to pull the pack apart without derailing their purpose. That's a challenge. The worm is not for everyone to know how to storytell through. And what I mean by that is your calamities, your problems can all be said the worm did this, but sometimes it's players and you have to help players and understand the size and scope of what they're about to play through. That's the point. So if there's a spiritual thing in that example I laid out and it's supposed to be DJ and cause he's the one who knows all the possession stuff, but everybody was like, we didn't really know what we were building for. And you go, well, cause I didn't ask you as a storyteller. Hey, you guys want to play a game where everybody has specific roles you have to build. And I'm going to tell you what that is. Cause that's boring. What he said was I got a game. I want to run got an idea and it does have themes and he told you the themes and you built accordingly, gave you size and scope and scale, but you're the one who determined whether you were going to be the fighter this time around, or you didn't mind tripling up on fighters. And that's what you did. But here's the argument that I have. Why is it? I can't build an Arun that does know how to fight differently. I didn't pause there on purpose. Just couldn't think of any other way to do it. Like, what if I picked an Arun that, like, said, okay, cool, I'm a werewolf, and uh, I just like to argue a lot. I'm an Arun who's really aggressive. I'm a social arguer. I end that shit. I could talk ourselves in way anywhere. I can handle any problem you got. There's nobody that can out-talk me, but I just don't deal with this nonsense everybody else got going on. And someone goes, but can you fight? Yeah, I was born under the full moon, okay? I argue. Aren't you listening? Don't you know what I'm saying? Or do I have to? As he shifts up to Glabro and he's in your face, you hear me now? Huh? Can you? And you're like, all right, maybe you are an Arun, but like, can you fight? That's what I'm at. What did I say? And then like, you know, when he gets really mad because you do know how to fight, you like use your basic karate that you learned at the YMCA, but it puts him on his ass, even though he's halfway to Kronos. And you're like, hey, uh, Okay, we got a lot of work here, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Yes, you can do that. Werewolf is a game designed where you're not pigeonholed into having to be what your auspice says 100%. You could be learning. You could be adapting. You could be different versions of it. Ironically, when it's spiritual, what matters is, is where does your heart lie? What auspice were you under? What did the player have in mind? What is your concept? Though That all still matters very much. But what it says is, no matter what, at the end of the day, when the pack gets formed, and you know what we're after, the pack will determine who the leader is naturally based on what the threat is and what the problem is. 
Elders don't pick that. You do. But what can happen is, DJ, you may know possession, and you may be all about that, and you're the theurge, but as this went on, someone else doesn't like Catholics. They didn't say anything, but the whole time it's been bothering them, and every time you opened up and you didn't know, they were abused. And that's something that was in their character background. The ST knew about it, hopefully. And you guys were cool with it, but now you're trying to mend this wound they have towards it because they don't trust you. They don't trust what's going on. They're trying to undermine you. And hopefully you take the right path in letting them kind of say their piece. And then after that said, realize that you're not a threat and you help them through. But the other route you could take is this person says, no, I'm not doing it. But they don't do it in front of the elders. No, and the elders would be like, you don't get to do that. Right. So instead, you're arguing and bickering because you're not away on mission yet. And this is important. If you're already sent on task, there can be no argument of who the alpha is. However, when you get back to the sept and you're chilling, if we haven't done a task yet or we're not on a task, we absolutely can have that. Pax will have that issue, but let it be in game and let it be something everybody can be a part of. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like take issue for something real. Don't take issue for something you're making up before you're even in character. Because that's that's how you lambast somebody, blindside them. They'd even know they were coming in with all that drama. That's not fun. And so that's this this book outlines it. It says there's several other things. And how does it outline it? None more important than this, the silver pack. You go through the point, Phoenix chooses you, and Mike, you wondered why Phoenix would choose you, or why it is it important that Phoenix has to choose you, or what have you. Here's the thing. The silver record, are you remembering what that is? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the uh, that's like the the record of all the great heroes, the stuff that the Garu have done that they want to put to paper and never forget. Now, there's a silver pack. You putting two and two together? Uh, are we saying that the silver record records the deeds of the silver packs across time? We are, we are, because your names are going to be remembered forever for the deeds that you do. That's the point. Whatever task the silver pack is sent towards, it is absolutely to be done without fail. In fact, if you come back in failure, what happens? Let's say the three of us, we all go out to accomplish this pack as the silver pack. And then we come back and we say, oh, man, we went there and it turns out that's a vampire Methuselah. We just couldn't kill it. Where it was, how it is, we went at it several times. I got broken ribs, a broken arm. Mike Jet lost his clave. We're just we're just in a bad way. It's still around. And we actually kind of like the guy. We're going to get pizza with him later and kind of talk about the new age and what went on and blah, 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 blah. Well, they do have a process. It says you were ritualistically killed. Right? Now, they're not saying the whole pack. Typically, it's one person. Right? Like, that's what it's saying. Well, how can one person fail? This says, as a silver pack, we all go to do the same thing. And in that fight with the Methuselah, where the pack was successful and killed the Methuselah, you chose to flee, but still came back to the Cairn. Well, you have failed. And in that failure, the answer is death. You were ritualistically torn apart by your pack. That's how it's done. In other words, you cannot fail or you cannot live in failure. It is one of the most brutal things the guru do, but it's done because you were allegedly the best of them, and they have to answer that honor. They have to. It is what they are. They're spiritually tied to what they say to the spirits they are. Most important is Phoenix. Phoenix holds a high regard because of this. Phoenix is also the one that is quoted uh, once or twice in there for like the silver record in a couple books. 
um, and whatnot. It's it's just an important figure. It's like they and, and if you wonder why, Mike, it's because they chose Phoenix. You're right. It could be any totem, but they chose Phoenix to be this cannon uh, for it. And why? Phoenix is a badass thing. Right. <laughs> there's a, there's it a way to do it. I'm certain there's it represents a... the right because it, what it tells you is that Phoenix actually represents Gaia in the final apocalypse struggle. It is what goes down and keeps getting back up. Right. It is literally the beacon. It's the sentinel of of the end times and why um, the Garu call to strength. And for you to run away and Phoenix is repping you, saying that you're supposed to like it's better for you to die fighting because you represent what you're supposed to be doing during that end time. You die on your feet, right? Like the Spartans say, on, come back with your shield or on it, right? That's exactly what you should be doing as a member of the Silver Pack. For you to run away, you've, you've destroyed that notion. It's all about the symbolism, the animism. Everything has a meaning the, behind it. And for you to run away, uh, the thought alone is scary. The whole business why Phoenix is chosen is the fact that you're right. At the, at the apocalypse, it's a gamble, by the way, for the Guru Nation. At the apocalypse, when it all comes down and it ends, and the Guru are gone. And everyone has died fulfilling their purpose. The hope is, is that humans are still around because the humans will be the ones most likely to birth a guru in the raw. It'll just happen. And if that happens, it will be Phoenix who approaches that guru to give them the silver record of who they were and the task of rebuilding what they once were. That's it's a new beginning, right? That's what it is. An apocalypse is just that something must be destroyed for something to be reborn and Phoenix does embody that. I will give you that. Um, but I will add, that's not all that's in this book. Uh, this this talk has been a discussion of just Pack and the importance of it. This will walk you through a moot and, and pieces of it uh, to give you snippets and, and kind of shots of what to expect in it. Also tells you how to handle challenges, rights. You want a different uh, Pack member or what have you and how a Pack leader might go about selecting that. How it isn't just, you know, we picked that out of game and whatever. In-game reasons to do it and how to do that stuff. Very important. Um, it also goes into a way of resolving disputes that have been hinted at but never detailed out. That's dueling. Guru practiced something called Claviscar. Talked about <laughs> it before. I'm a super fan of it. I'm a super fan of it. I don't understand. Again, LARP is where it got me hooked, and we roleplay acted through Claviscar doing, and I was the Claviscar master. I had no problem with doing it. I had a lot of fun with it. It wasn't just bravado either. I mean, it was about strategy. You had to know what you were facing and the skill of the opponent you were going against. I had players who tried to steal my weapon before I entered the field uh, when I got there. I had folks try to convince me that I had a rock and two two twigs tied to one thing because of a gift they could use on me, a ragabash one, and the elder intervened. And that was cool. The elder swapped it back. This is the, the elder ragabash at the Cairn. Knew I was being screwed and screwed them back to teach them a lesson because we're all part of the same thing, right? And that's, that's what it is. And when we did that duel, the storyteller did an, an amazing job of showcasing the fact that uh, he was a master of it. Right? We did item cards. So he had these two blue, light blue item cards he held out in his hands to the side at the beginning of the duel. He has real long hair. It was in front of his face. And we had to approach this guy. Now, what had happened was three pack alphas had vied for the right to be able to go and kill this worm beast. And the elders were pissed, but they couldn't say anything. You were also the future of the guru when you play the guru. So you have to learn how to adjudicate right. But since we couldn't rely on our philodox, the social method to do it, we all chose this physicality, and uh, well, it was a Silver Fang and two Shadow Lords. We were going to call Clave Dueling. 
that's that's what it was. But we thought it was gonna be one on one. And the well, let's just say the the Sept Alpha overrode that. And said, if you want to be Sept Alpha and you want to call the shots, well then it's the first blood. And then you can. We never got to first blood. I enjoyed thoroughly the ass whooping I received from one hand of that storytelling. And when people say they don't like fighting something with insurmountable odds and whatever, it's different when the storyteller can talk you through the skill of the opponent you're facing. Then when you when your only response as a player, I jump at him with an overhand dagger stab. <laughs> really? This dude is a I told you this dude is standing in the center of a field with his hair down in front of his face with two silver daggers out to the side. And he's waiting for you to charge him, but he ain't even looking at you, bro. And you're going to jump in the air in Krenos and land on him with your clave sword? That's your style. That's what you're doing. Hell yeah. <laughs> Shadowlord 101. We got to see what he can do. So we test him in the open. And, and easily that dude got cut. And how did he get cut? The storyteller shaved the left half of his face before he landed. <laughs> right? Described how he was swirling a knife around real quick. It was, it was cut up, sliced twice, and then just moved on. And it was to first blood. He goes, I'm not bleeding. And he said, yeah, but it's to shave. He's like, what? The aftershave burn? I'm in Krinos. And he was bald there and also gave him an embarrassing scar that he had to bear for one full moon. Because you, <laughs> you're not supposed to duel your elders. You're not supposed to do it. He would lose honor for accepting the challenge. That's also an important thing to know. Except he accepted the challenge from three alphas all with claves. That's an important distinction. And that's a very artsy glory hounding honorable duel to have that everybody watched we had a whole crowd of people 30 of us sitting around watching and hooting and hollering for who could do what and i was the other shadow lord and when i saw that idiot jump forward and do what he did i did the only thing i thought i could do when that guy turned towards me the alpha the silver fang said face me i will never forget it face me and know you're better literally said that and the stepped off a turn grinning like my better like you don't even understand rank and when he turned the Silver Fang yelled now and expected me to charge in, and because I'm a Shadow Lord, I did charge in. I charged in and laid down my clave in front of the Elder and submitted to the duel. Is what I did. Because at that point, I knew what happened. I had guessed, incorrectly that the Sept Alpha was going to choose the leader that understood the situation, could read when they were bested, and knew when they had overstepped. We had grossly overstepped. When we agreed to accept the challenge of a Sept Alpha in a duel and we knew his legacy, we knew his glory, we knew his renown, and we knew we were stepping up for an ass whooping and we still didn't relent, we represented the very fact and dangerous half of a group. As it was pointed out to us in grand lecture by the freaking den mother afterward when we had to patch up wounds for some people, right? Because it got messy. And the fact is this. When you're too bullheaded stupid to think it's all about glory, how are you going to accomplish the task we set you out to do? You need the leader that can pump the brakes and know when it's time to do what it is you got to do. That experience is there. Otherwise, we're just going to die. And that's the goal. That's the only lesson. And we got a chance to learn it there. And you couldn't have done that unless. It's not rare circumstances. This is the book that did it. I had him sit me down that storyteller. I picked his brain. He told me, read this book. He said, I'm not great. I stole it all from this book. This book is great. Had Claviscar outlined even the moves he described. Steel wall. You had great blows <laughs> and things like that. Jabbing with the clip. This is all in this book of how to do it. And that's what was on the item card. It made that combat fun. We did Claviscar, I think, like four or five times. Only in grand importance. 
and never that grand after that point, but when it was one-on-ones, deciding it was a lot of fun. You also have Kalindo in this book, but what is Kalindo? Do we remember that? Yes. Kalindo is the art form for people who can shape change. If you're a Star Wars fan and you ever wondered why Jedi don't turn off their lightsabers in fights, that is exactly what Kalindo is. It is cool. It is so cool. Well, <laughs> well to keep it, Whoa. to keep it, <laughs> young Kimosabi, there's a huge difference in that, right? Why Kalindo is cool and why Kalindo is great is because it fundamentally puts you in the mindset to understand that it is above what a normal Garu would normally be able to do. If Bob was able to describe to you why you don't grossly overstep your boundaries because it's all that rage that comes in there, Kalinda was control of that rage, right? That's like Bruce Banner trying to make sure he could shapeshift at the same time while trying to be the Hulk. And where it sounds very cartoony, I, I hate to put it that way, but it's the only thing that comes to mind, it's to further like exemplify and amplify the thought that it is control of self it is full control of self to be able to do it that no one should be able to easily pick up it should be a wonder to be like how did they pull that off how is he able to do this without like frenzying changing doing all this stuff this isn't natural why do they have it which should be as envious to everyone else and this is the reason why they doesn't get taught to everyone because no one would be able to do it in the first place Go ahead, do a spinning back click. No one could do that in the first place as it already is. And you want to put something so precious in the hands of, of a pleb? Nah. Lightsaber turned on all the time. That's crazy. You know what I do with lightsaber? Listen, That's a different podcast. Listen, we'll say that for ST Circle. I'm just saying. Look, look. If you can imagine, if you can imagine Tyson sneaking in to the opponent on the inside, right? But then when he bring that legendary shotgun uppercut, he also goes into Krynos? That's that's what's wrong. That that's that's Kalindo for me. That's what I want. It's great. Well, <laughs> well, happy would describe Kalindo. That actually is true. It's shape changing into it. The thing is, is that I would I would highly suggest that you read the flavor text of it, not just the power cane, bro, to understand that what it's for and why it's so hard to master. Right? It is supposed to be a martial art, exactly what DJ described, uh, being able to control your forms and be fluid as you go from one to the other. But accurately, like Mike said, with Mike Tyson, does does paint a picture, and it's a it's a devastating one. Um, however, a lot of pacifists take Kalindo, ironically, uh, when it comes to that, because it is also there's a lot of Aikido principles that are written into Kalindo, using your opponent against them against well their size and balance against them. That's a lot of what Kalindo is, in addition to your form and changing. It's it is cool. Um, it's cool because it's unique. Both of those things are unique. Clavascar. Not dueling. Dueling's not unique. You have a lot of stuff. But Claviscar, ooh, that's sexy. That's sexy even to say. Because why? Because <laughs> it's Clave, right? It's Clave dueling. Claviscar, Claviscar, I've always called it. Uh, but the point is, is that when you say it, it's like, oh, man, well, what tribes are in on it? And then someone gets to go, well, do you have a Clave as they tap theirs? <laughs> like, no. Well, that's why you don't know. And they walk off. Like, they have a higher form of dueling. And you want to talk about Jedi. That's why I was laughing. It's like we grew lightsaber. It's a clave now. I'm going to remember that. Um, then uh, it's cool. It's cool. But the point is, is that these things helped hook and, and actually make Werewolf even more unique, in my opinion. And seeing all these offices and everything else bled into this book, do yourself the justice of owning it. 
Yes, other books will reprint this stuff in abbreviated format, but like I've always said, when people update and they put the new advanced book, they always get succinct about material they've already used, and you miss nuance. Don't miss the nuance, folks. Get this book. Spend the $7.95 for the PDF on DriveThruRPG or wherever you're going to find it, wherever you're going to endorse it. Get it. If you're going to own the hard copy, it's cool. It's good artwork in this book, too, uh, but do everything you can. But uh, just know that, obviously, there's updates with this, too, uh, that go on and so forth, but the, the content's not lost. And I will warn you, in the 20th update, there's not a whole lot that says anything about Kalindo or Klaviscar other than, like, yeah, it might exist. Oh man, I won't cut that out my werewolf. I, w- I will go back and have this book ready to let people know what you playing. Don't forget this. It's like children are guy and they have that bojutsu style, right? They teach you know how to how an elder can whoop your ass with a bow staff. Children are guy got that. You know about that? Read <laughs> I remember that, right? You gonna learn it in there? It's like, it's it's <laughs> badass, right? It's pretty cool. Um, do you know what the get martial arts style is though? Did you catch that one? Whoop your ass. That's right. It's called Fenris. <laughs> we don't need a martial arts style. That's what it is. It's a done deal. But, but that's it. But that's it, folks. Uh, thanks for this time around. Um, the book, we, again, we're not exhausting with a bunch of other stuff. There's a lot of content in this book, but most of it, it's just read, plug, and play. Um, so thank you, and tune in next time. Appreciate you both. Thanks, guys. Take it easy, folks. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and would like to support us, please leave a review or share it with friends. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.